What's up everybody? Jason Rinskoff here. Welcome to another episode of Starting Up. I appreciate you as always carving out some time and being a part of this conversation. It is something that has certainly been very, very helpful and useful for me. I hope as we're going through this process, you are finding some sort of value as well. And uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It really does mean a lot to me that you take time out of your busy schedules to uh, listen in. So what I want to talk about today is something that I've had some exposure to here recently through a combination of a couple things. First off, I was at a conference I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago now in Nashville, and there was a guy that spoke on stage um, who has a, a, a company that specializes in teaching about story brand and being able to um, captivate your audience with stories. So that was that set is kind of the backdrop of getting my wheels turning on this stuff. And then recently I've been reading some different stuff that's brought in a similar conversation. There's definitely a lot of overlap in terms of conceptually the different ideas that each of them brought to the table uh, as it pertains to your story. And I think this is such an important thing to focus some attention on because quite frankly, from my experience, story and your ability to get your messaging right It can be the single biggest accelerant to your business if you get it right, or it can cause the biggest frustration and stagnation in your business if you get it wrong. You know, you see all these stale messages from a lot of companies who seem to struggle and spin their wheels, and it's because they can't seem to get their message right. There's nothing that differentiates them in your mind that compels you or gets you kind of brought into their unique story. On the other hand, You can think, I'm sure, of all kinds of businesses, certainly your favorite businesses that you are loyal to, that you continue to go back to and purchase from and follow. If you think about it, they probably have a story that really truly resonates with you. It connects with you based on your beliefs and what it is that you uh, place value in. They're able to compel you through that because they connect with you, right? And a good story should really polarize your audience. A really good story should pick a side. It should kind of put your stake in the ground to a degree and help to talk about who it is that you stand for and what you stand against. And it should repel the people who ultimately are not a good fit for your business. And it should attract people to you who are your best fit. And so what I want to do today is in kind of the common theme of this podcast I want to use this as an opportunity for me to kind of rehash a little bit of what my thoughts have been around this so I can hear myself talk through it first of all. Uh, But hopefully it'll help to lay out a little bit of a tactical framework that you can actually take and utilize for yourself as you go through this business. You can audit your existing, if you have a business now and you have kind of a core message to your market, this will give you an opportunity to audit that against um, more of a tactical framework so that you can see, all right, well, where, where am I really hitting the mark? Or if I'm not, if I'm noticing that there's a pain point in my business, I'm not attracting people to my business the way that I would like to, maybe this will help to uncover some opportunity to fine tune some things and, and go back to the drawing board a little bit on how you're actually communicating your message and your story. Okay. So let's talk through the actual framework a little bit, first of all. And so if you think about any story, there has to first off be a centralized character 
right? There's going to be somebody who is going, who are going to ultimately follow through the story, right? So we will call that person the, the attractive character, the person who draws us in. And the beginning of any story has to start with a backstory. What was their origin story, so to speak? So if, if you're following the story about somebody, what was their upbringing like? What were some of the things that they experienced that helped to shape who they are as a person? What were some of their points of, of adversity maybe when they were growing up? Or what were some of the things that they experienced through, uh, through their adolescence that, that might have shaped the way that they behave and their personality and the things that, that maybe they struggle with now? So you have to set that backstory. And then at some point, the attractive character sets their eye on something. They have something, you get a, you get a glimmer of hope of what it is that this attractive character has the opportunity to attain. There's something that they set their eye on, whether it's a, a relationship, whether it's you know some sort of broader goal from a from an, an accomplishment standpoint or a wealth standpoint, or it may be um, it may be something health related. So it could be something as simple as you know, and if it's a weight loss type of company, you watch the journey of somebody who who went through the journey of you know, fat to fit kind of thing, right? So we see this all the time, some, some, on some smaller scales than other, some broader scales than other. But you watch them go, you see them set their eyes on, their, their sights on some sort of broader aspiration or goal. And they draw you in and you start to root for them. You start, you want to see how they go through this journey and how they're going to ultimately get to the goal. And so you watch them go on this journey and you watch them progress and then inevitably what happens? You watch them hit a wall of some sort. You watch them hit some sort of friction point of where that causes failure. And you watch them fall on their face. And you as you see this adversity come in, you start to you start to feel this compassion for the attractive character because you want them to succeed. You want to see them get the thing and you want to see the resolution. You want to see how is it that they're going to get there. And so at this point in the story, what we typically see, you may see a, a couple or a few um, failure types of moments as we continue to go back to the drawing board and figure out what's the next attempt. And we continue to see these kind of conventional approaches. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grit it out. I'm going to figure it out. And inevitably, you just keep kind of beating your head against the wall and failing. And then inevitably, what happens? You have this outside party that enters the story, that enters the frame. And they're typically, they serve... In, in the role of a guide of some sort. And the guide represents the person on the other end of the journey. Somebody who has been where our attractive character is and hit the same points of adversity and figured it out. And so they're coming back from a point of empathy to meet the attractive character where they are at the point of adversity to help shed light on what their problem is and show them a different path to resolution. And we watch them take them by the hand, and we typically will watch the attractive character continue to fight. They don't necessarily want that hand that hand holding yet, right? So we typically watch them fight against it, and inevitably there's some sort of aha epiphany type of moment where there's a breakthrough, and then all of a sudden we get to see the opportunity for the attractive character to finally receive the guidance of the guide. And we watch them apply it, and we get to see the breakthrough. And then finally, with the breakthrough, we get to watch the resolution. We get to watch them actually achieve the thing 
that we've been pulling for them and rooting for them to be able to achieve, right? The guy gets the girl or they, you know, the team wins the tournament or whatever the case may be, right? So think about that general framework and we'll kind of come back around on that full circle as we go along. But I want to think about that now in terms of a couple of real life examples. So as I was listening to this presentation and I've, I've kind of adapted that a little bit along with some other things to kind of apply it um, to my own thought processes. But it, it made me start to think about a couple of my favorite movies growing up. One of my favorite movies growing up was Karate Kid. And for, any, for anybody who are, who's kind of, uh, who's in their 30s, you probably loved watching The Karate Kid, right? And so what was the story of The Karate Kid? You had this family, single mom and her, her young adolescent son who moved no father in the picture, and you get to watch the conflict of a young adolescent trying to find his way and find his place in a new town, and he goes to this new school, and he gets picked on, he gets bullied, he can't find his place, but he find, you know he, gets the, he catches the eye of this girl, right? And now all of a sudden you see that, man, you just want things to work out for him and this girl. And then you see the adversary, you see the common enemy. So in Karate Kid, that's represented in the kind of the enemy um, karate group, gang, team, whatever you would call it, right? The Cobra Kai. And so the Cobra Kai is this group of badass um, karate kids who have this tough, brutal instructor, and they're bullies, right? And so... They pick on Danielson. He's the, he's kind of the easy victim in this situation, and we see him continue to get picked on and bullied and beat up as he goes through this process, right? And so, inevitably, as he's continuing to, to fight and try to scrap and, and get his ass kicked, and still trying to you know catch the eye of the girl, it feels like there's not going to be any opportunity for him to ever have any sort of resolution. And then, who enters the picture? Mr. Miyagi, right? Remember Mr. Miyagi? So Mr. Miyagi enters the picture and he's going to start training Daniel Sun on the ancient Eastern methodologies of learning karate. And he starts by teaching him things like waxing the car and painting the fence, right? And Daniel Sun inevitably resists. So he fights Mr. Miyagi on why you just having me do all your chores for you. And then what does he do? Mr. Miyagi starts throwing punches, throwing karate chops. And then inevitably the instinct starts taking over the muscle memory of what Mr. Miyagi has been teaching Daniel's son. And all of a sudden he instinctively takes over, starts blocking all these, these punches and kicks and whatever else. And you start to see the turning point, right? You get to start to see a little bit of that epiphany for Daniel's son as he starts to get these small victories. And so the entire thing continues to progress, and then all of a sudden you have the, the final tournament where they, you're going to have your, your memory refreshed of, against the common enemy. Who, it is, who is it that we're ultimately up against that we want to see the resolution against? And that's the Cobra Kai, right? So Daniel, Daniel-san goes through the tournament, and then he gets injured. And he's up against uh, Johnny in the final, the final, um, final event of the tournament. And then you get sweep the leg, Johnny. And it looks like Danielson's going to go down and he gets in the crane position. And he delivers a perfectly timed crane kick 
takes Johnny out, wins the tournament. We get resolution. Danielson grabs the girl, kisses the girl, and he gets the he gets everything he always wanted, right? He gets the girl, he wins the tournament. He's the badass. And we get the resolution that we were hoping for. And so you see this kind of a pattern play itself out in anything. I don't care. So think of your favorite movie, whatever it is, and apply that framework and think through it. Who's the character? Who's the main character in the movie that you watch? What's the adversity that you watch them go up against? Who's the guide or the person that enters the picture that's going to take them by the hand and help to show them the way? And what's the ultimate resolution that we get to watch them achieve as a result of the epiphany and the breakthrough that they experience by finally getting that moment that gets them around the adversity and the challenge and the pain points that they've experienced up to that point, right? And so we go through that, go through those examples to think through it because quite frankly, it'll ruin movies for you when you start to realize the, uh, the commonality of those things because you start to see that everything becomes extremely predictable. It's a pretty, it's a pretty dialed in plot framework in Hollywood and it applies to every single one of the most successful blockbuster types of movies that have ever been filmed. So you can apply that to anything. You can apply it to movies. You can apply it to your favorite books. You can apply it to your favorite businesses, your favorite people. You can apply it to everything. And the beauty of it is when you learn the patterns and you learn the framework, you can also apply it to your own business. So the question then becomes what I would ultimately challenge you with and leave you with as as kind of a takeaway from this episode is think through that framework and apply it to your own situation. Whatever it is, if you're listening to this, chances are you either have a business or you're considering a business or you're looking for the side hustle or whatever, something that you're passionate about that you want to pursue in some form or fashion. And your challenge is ultimately going to be how do you captivate your small segment of the audience that you want to be able to captivate. And in order to do that, you have to be able to deliver a message. The only thing that you can, I mean, in this day and age, you can copy anything. You can copy product, you can copy service, you can copy just about anything. But the one thing that will always be impossible to, to copy and, and replicate is going to be your unique story and your unique message. So you've got to dedicate some time on this. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's not necessarily an easy thing. It's not something that comes naturally to me at all. Um, I am naturally very much an introvert. So trying to think through stuff like this and telling my story and getting, get it, putting myself out there is not something that's particularly comfortable. It absolutely puts me outside of my comfort zone. But I also recognize the necessity of it. So it's something that I'm investing a lot of time in right now in trying to put together ideas around these stories and making sure that I can resonate my story along the way. And I challenge you to do the same thing. So whatever it is that you're looking to try to, uh, to attract your audience on, whether that's, that's business or personal or whatever, what's your backstory? What are the things that you would, would want to help explain to your audience about where you came from and what shaped you and what made you who you are? What's the thing that's going to draw them in and help to find common ground in terms of what your experience has been? And then as you progress, what is the thing that you set your sights on? What was the aspiration or the goal or the objective that you set your sights on that you, you wanted more than anything? And then take them on that journey. What was the journey? What did it look like? What, was the, what were the points of adversity that you experienced? What were those friction points of failure? 
what were all the times that you just kind of scraped your knees up or fell on your face? Tell those stories and remember them as vividly as you possibly can. And then what was, what was ultimately the point where you had that epiphany? What was the thing, that light bulb moment that after all that adversity and all that failure, you finally figured out something that was the turning point that led you around the wall or over the wall and finally got you over the hump towards the ambition and the breakthrough that you were looking for so that you could finally achieve the thing that it is that you ultimately are now representing. So that that is the general thought process and framework of your story. So now as you go through that process, what your goals and objectives are is to be able to tell a story like that that you're going to start to attract your your audience with that story. And it's not necessarily going to be easy up front. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some reps. It's going to take, um, it's going to take a lot of um, continued activity on your part to be able to get out there and dial it in in a way that it creates more, creates more and more of a compelling uh, storyline. You're going to probably hear me try to address this kind of a conversation in a lot of different ways because it's the first time I've talked about it. And, you know, the reality of it is, is I'm doing this podcast. Part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I know that I need reps getting out there and finding my voice and telling my story. And I think that's the truth for all of us, regardless of what we're trying to do. If we're trying to do anything worthwhile in our, in our lives, now is you, you got to get out there and start putting the the work in. You got to get the reps in as uncomfortable as it may be, as clunky as it may be, you got to start putting in the work. So that is, that is my challenge to myself is part of why I'm doing this. It's why I'm taking you on the journey because what better way to figure out what your voice is is than to start and actually take you along on the journey, right? That becomes my story eventually, hopefully. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what I want to leave you with today. Think through the framework. Who's your attractive character? What was, what's the journey? What are the points of, of pain and frustration and adversity? What are those friction points? What are the failures? And what was the aha moment? What was the the light bulb moment that led you to the breakthrough? And then what was the outcome? What was the thing that you aspired towards that you were able to to achieve breakthrough with? And how can you go back and meet your attractive character, your your prospective client, your your prospective audience? How can you then be the guide? Because remember, you're on the other side of it now. So you're not the actual attractive character anymore. Now you're the guide. You're the person that wants to step back and grab the person by the hand because you're the one that actually figured it out. You're meeting them at the point where you were, where you had the frustration and you figured it out. You had that aha epiphany moment and now you're going to go back and take them by the hand and guide them towards the point of resolution that you were, that, that they are so longing for. And so that's the, uh, that's my challenge to you. Put that story together and uh, think through it and then start telling it. And I think that you will find that it'll get, it'll be rough, but it'll get better and continue to take that to market. You can't tell it enough. And uh, I hope that you find that useful. Thanks so much as always for the time. I hope you find this worthwhile and we will talk to you soon. Hello, everybody. Jason Renskoff here. Welcome to another episode of the Starting Up Podcast. Thank you, as always, for carving out some time out of your busy schedules to join me as you get to listen to me think out loud through the processes and things that I am going through on a daily basis as my business partner and I 
get things off the ground with a brand new startup company that we've been into now for a few months and we are continuing to hash out, working through the good, bad, and ugly of what it is to start a business from scratch, get things bootstrapped, and, um, and you're going to hear me as I go through that process, talk about some some planning processes, you'll hear some big picture strategy, you'll hear some more kind of micro tactical types of things that I can that I'll focus on that I'm working on doing on kind of a day-to-day basis for specific things that I'm trying to get accomplished working towards the broader strategic objective and you'll hear hopefully the results of those efforts whether those are failures and bumps in the road um, or they are hopefully some successes and hopefully some victories along the way and uh I'm going to make sure that we share all the above with you so that hopefully you can avoid some of the heartache along the way if I can share some of the things that I'm doing that we find is ineffective. And then hopefully, obviously, once in a while we'll stumble upon a victory or two in the process, God willing, and we'll share those as well so that you can hopefully pull some nuggets and shortcut the process. So that's the idea. I'm actually out on a Monday afternoon driving around today. Um, sometimes this is just where I do some of my best thinking is aimlessly driving and checking out the city and the town around me. We've got a beautiful lake here. I, uh, I live in the Lake Norman area, which is about 20 miles north of Charlotte, North Carolina. For those of you familiar with the area, it is an absolutely gorgeous fall day and a perfect day to just kind of be out and about checking out the sights and giving me an opportunity to just kind of let my wheels spin a little bit on some different things that I'm trying to hash through. And I thought, what better time to plug in with you guys and share what's on my mind. And hopefully it'll help me kind of think through some of this stuff out loud. Hopefully think through a couple of breakthroughs that I can take and when I get home, get put to work. And again, you'll get to hear a little bit about how I go through this process for myself and maybe you can find something tangible that you can take and apply through your processes as well. That is the hope anyway. So um, here's what I'm thinking of. You've heard me in the past, if you've listened to any of these episodes, you, you might have heard me talk through the, the three business units, the three biz, business segments um, that I try to think through on, uh, from a bigger picture strategic objective standpoint. There are three key businesses inside of the business, the before unit, the during unit, the after unit. You'll hear me talk about this a lot in future episodes because it's something that's always kind of the top of the framework that I'm looking to build from, depending on what it is we're trying to accomplish. The before unit, I did a follow-up uh, episode on where we really dug into what does that look like? Cause that's really what my business is, is entrenched in right now is figuring out how do we get, you know, more predictable new blood into the funnel, the top of the funnel. And so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. If you're at a point in time where you're trying to think through, how can I create a machine that's going to deliver prospects into my business, whatever that business may be. I unpack that a little bit further, but from a high level standpoint, it's how can you identify who is your best fit client. So in your perfect world, if you were to identify and, and classify, characterize exactly who you would love to serve every single time um, in, a, in a perfect scenario, what would that clientele look like, right? What's the picture of that client? How do they, what's their personality? What's their age? What are they into? Uh, what are, you know, some of the demographic stuff, what kind of income are they earning? What are their pain points? What are the things that you can help them to solve? At the end of the day, what you're really looking for is what is the outcome? What's the optimal outcome that you can deliver that creates the most value to the marketplace? 
and then you work somewhat backwards to determine who is it that you can help to serve that with. So with that in mind, what I am thinking through today, um, I'm working through a project at the moment. So you've heard me talk through a little bit of the business segments in the past, um, the before unit, during unit, after unit of the business. It's just a, um, a good framework that I found to be useful in terms of thinking through the bigger picture strategy of how to grow your business. Um, all, every business has these three segments inside of them and it's a way to break them down a little bit more granularly so that you can approach them a little bit more strategically. And if you have not heard that, feel free to go back. It's one of the, uh, the early, earlier episodes. I guess they're all early episodes at this point, but one of the very early episodes in the first two or three uh, that we put out there called The Three business Businesses Inside Your Business, I believe. Uh, check that out. And then I did a deeper dive into specifically the before unit after that. So definitely check that out. It'll help to give you a little bit better context. But from a high level standpoint, what that was about was putting, looking at your business um, on the before unit as creating a machine that ultimately delivers predictable, warm prospects into your funnel, the top of your funnel, that ultimately come through and are nurtured to be able to help potentially convert clients, which is obviously what every business is in business for, which is clients, right? They're the lifeblood. And so, but it's, from my experience in working with business owners in the first 13 years of my career, it's the single biggest pain point for everybody is how do I get in front of my next qualified prospect? And the vast majority of the businesses that I was exposed to lack any sort of true predictable system or process that's delivering new qualified prospects on a consistent basis. And so one of the things that I looked at when Derek and I were looking to leave and start this business was making sure that we kind of took our own medicine and all the consulting work that we did in coaching a lot of these um, advisors in their business was making sure we don't repeat the same mistakes that we saw every single day, which was get too far down the road without creating the right infrastructure inside the business to be able to predictably deliver new blood into the business. It's the single biggest pain point because it's the area that most people are always throwing mud against the wall. And because they have not done the right things at the beginning to lay the right groundwork, they end up struggling and spinning their wheels and just trying to test new things constantly. And then they, you know, they're constantly frustrated by the fact that they don't have enough people to see. And so you're constantly having to reinvent the, the business when you don't have a good predictable way to deliver new prospects. So that is, um, that's kind of the pain point that we certainly look to try to address as I'm thinking through this part of the, the process. And there's a specific framework that I think through to help alleviate that pain point. And so it starts first and foremost by identifying who is your ideal, uh, your ideal fit client. So in a perfect world, if you could map out and characterize exactly what you're the absolute best fit client that you could serve, what would that look like? And it starts for me with the kind of beginning with the end in mind. So what is the optimal result first off that you can deliver? Um, how can you acceler accelerate your ideal prospect to your outcome? What is their desired outcome? And what is your kind of unique ability to provide a result that they desire in a way that accelerates their path to, or progress towards that, that thing. Um, hopefully that makes sense. And once you've identified what that ideal outcome is, it helps you to crystallize, okay, 
So who is it that has that pain point? What does that person look like? What are they, what are the things that are keeping them up at night? What are the conversations that they're having with their spouse or significant other when they get home from work at night? What does their home life look like? What, what does their work life look like? What are the things that they're interested in? What are their dreams and their goals and their aspirations? And you really want to get as deep as you possibly can in that thought process so that you can literally kind of live in the camp out in the mind of your ideal target prospect. Because once you do, you can start to essentially have conversations with them through your marketing and your messaging that get them to, to raise their hand to you and say, holy crap, that's, he's talking to me, right? And that's, that's the dream scenario for any business is to be able to have this pool of targeted prospective clients that you that are currently invisible to you that you can put a hook out that speaks to them specifically and gets them to raise their hand and say wow that's me those are my pain points those are the things that are keeping me up at night those are the aspirations or goals that I aspire to and that I want to figure out how do I fast track and get myself to that broader goal or aspiration and once you figure that out now you're on to something because now you can really dial in from a from a scale standpoint just based on the investment that you put into it, you can drive as many people into that as possible. And so the first step is getting crystal clear on who that person is and identifying what are the different hooks that are gonna get that person to actually identify them to you, identify themselves to you, okay? And then once they've identified themselves, what's your process to nurture that relationship? So just because you get them to say, yeah, that's me, I'm intrigued, my, my interest is peaked, then what? you have to now go through a process to warm that relationship up and help to, do, to establish trust and rapport and get to a point where they actually like you and trust you so that they will consider potentially actually engaging and doing business with you. So step one is getting them to identify themselves. Then step two is having a patient process in place that intentionally nurtures and educates and delivers value in advance in a predictable format so that by the time the, you start to make offers that hopefully are compelling that individual to actually take the next step and, and look to try to do business with you, you built up enough goodwill and enough value through that process that you're no longer just some, some cold, you know, faceless brand who's trying to get somebody to give you money. You're actually delivering a ton of value and helping to alleviate a specific pain point for them that they want fixed and you're offering a solution that that helps to offer this the the outcome that they desire so hopefully that makes sense and so as you're thinking through that process here is where we end up hitting a sticking point a lot of businesses um, so what a lot of businesses do is they will fall into the trap of thinking that their core business is actually the thing that distinguishes them or differentiates them. And so let me give you a specific example from my, from my personal work life. I could go into a conference, you know, over a 13 year career, we would do, we would do these, these conferences and we would have four or 500 financial advisors in a room. And I could stand it up at the front of the stage and I could say, I want everybody in here, I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to tell me what it is that makes you different. Why should I consider doing business with you as a financial advisor? And without a doubt, probably 95 out of 100 of the people that we would pull in that room would give me the exact same answer out of about three potential answers. 
they would say something to the effect of, oh, well, I do retirement planning. I focus specifically on the unique needs of retirees, right? Or I work specifically with people on guaranteed secure strategies for their money. So I help to offer protection for people's portfolios. Or I offer guaranteed income solutions for people. Or I offer opportunities for, for leveraging the, your legacy concerns. So for people that want to expand and enhance a legacy, maybe that's what they do. And so you hear this little hodgepodge of potential answers, and what you come to realize very quickly is what you think differentiates you is actually a commodity. If I'm hearing that same message from 95 out of 100 people who are trying to answer that question, thinking that they're telling me something that's unique, you are in a very commoditized position, and that is the worst possible position to be in because a commodity, the only way to compete if you're in a true commodity is with price. And the worst position you can be in from a, as a business owner is to be trying to compete based on lowest price, right? Because unfortunately, the, the market's already been cornered from that perspective. You have the Amazons and the Walmarts of the world. You have robo-advisors. You have all these with the technologies and the advancements that, that are available to companies who can afford the economies of scale at this point, you will never be able to compete from that standpoint if you're a small business. And so it's a race to the bottom. And if you do, from again, I'll speak from my personal experience, if I'm a financial advisor and I offer investment management as my core service and I charge X percent for that service, but somebody up the street with a longer brand history because they work for, for a, a bank or somebody who you've seen on TV, so there's perceived value in that, but they, and they charge less than I charge, I've just lost. I lost before I began, right? Because my commoditized service is of no real value. I can get the same thing over here for cheaper with a more well-established brand that makes me more comfortable. So what's the answer? For those of us who are small businesses that are trying to understand how do we differentiate ourselves, the answer is it boils down to a couple things. First off, it starts with your ability to message. We talked about this on the uh, one of the last couple episodes where I talked about story, story and message. That's one of the only ways that you can truly differentiate yourself in a way that can't just be replicated or copied is to get your unique story and message out in a way that resonates with your ideal target prospect. And the only way to do that is to tell your stories, to tell your hooks, to help compel your audience by getting into the mind of that, that client or prospective client. You have to get so crystal clear on that. And the only way to do that is to continue to test and continue to play with it and continue to, to work on creating new messages to the marketplace and just determining what actually starts to resonate. So that's, that's one thing. But then the second thing is if the core offer is ultimately the commodity, so if my investment management service, as an example, is something that's commoditized, then what I need to do is decommoditize that product or service by tying it into a more specific offer. And so what is an offer? An offer is the additional value that I can place on the commoditized product or service that ultimately separates me from everybody else. So you might have a plan from an investment management standpoint with somebody that offers 
we do portfolio analysis and we will help to, based on what you're doing, we'll give you an analysis of the current fees that you're paying. We'll give you an analysis of your performance relative to the standard industry benchmarks. And based on that, we will put together a recommended plan that we feel is better for your goals and objectives, right? That is not a unique value proposition by any means. Most, again, the 95 out of 100 financial service firms who offer investment management are going to give you some version of that as their unique sales pitch, right? So if that is something that I offer, the last thing in the world I want to do is try to build my value proposition around something that everybody else is doing. So part of what I wanted to do when I started thinking through this is what is ultimately my hook? What is the thing that is going to truly differentiate me in the marketplace? And so where I started with that was thinking through what was the biggest frustration that I had in the course of the 13 years that I worked in this business? What was the single biggest pain point that I had that led me to even think about leaving in the first place? And you know what it was, was the fact that for me, as a young professional making good money and trying to get my feet under me to make better decisions that accelerated my path to economic independence, that supported a life and a lifestyle that I dreamt about and desired for me and for my wife, Corey, and for our future family and for our ability to live the life that we want, doing the things that we want, where we want without concern for the financial restrictions of that, that finances and trouble with, with finances can often pose to people. It can kind of be a, a handcuff. I wanted to be able to deliver those things for my family without the restriction of or concern of my financial position in the world. I wanted that to be secured. And what I realized was nobody was providing me that outlet. Not just the outlet in terms of guidance, but in terms of resources for education and more knowledge and literacy in ways that could actually benefit me on my path towards achieving that outcome. So part of what frustrated me was the conventional wisdom that dominates the, the personal financial planning world. And so much of that is completely commoditized. And so part of what I wanted to do was ultimately build an organization that served me selfishly, right? Served families like mine who were in the position that I was in. And I wanted to build the business that I wish had existed for myself 10 years ago when I was starting out and just starting to make the first decent money um, in my professional career. And I was just starting to make the true adult decisions that I was starting to make, like purchasing my first home, like getting married, like considering starting a family, like starting to actually invest money as I was trying to put things together, like trying to figure out what was the proper way to budget and to create a spending plan that actually served me in a way that was constructive. All the different things that helped me as I struggled through and found these answers ultimately for myself because I couldn't find them out in the marketplace, that is ultimately what I wanted to do. So to me, one of the things that I wanted to serve the, the marketplace with that's unique is to create a platform that is built on providing resources and education for people who are wanting to figure out basic fundamental principles that accelerate their path 
to financial freedom and economic independence for them and their families. And I want you to strip away all of the confusion around specific investments and specific products or even plans and the idea that those are somehow the answer to the problem it has nothing to do with any individual product or investment or plan. Thinking that an individual investment or plan is ultimately the answer to your financial problems is like saying that you have a, you're a carpenter and you have in your, your toolkit, you have a drill, you have a hammer and you have a screwdriver. And if you have a nail that needs to be driven into the board, the drill and the screwdriver aren't going to be really effective tools for performing the job. You need the hammer, right? Well, it's no different in the financial world. At the end of the day, these investment tools are just that. They're tools. They're just tools in the toolkit, and they're there to provide a specific job function. But if you don't understand the right questions to ask and the right priorities based on what your value system is and the things that you actually want to, to accomplish for yourself and for your family, if you haven't gotten crystal clear on what that looks like for yourself, Everything else is going to spin you down a path that's going to cause more and more frustration, more confusion, and more overwhelm because you haven't actually gotten clear on the right questions first. So that was part of what I wanted my service to ultimately first provide, was giving you a crystal clear path on helping to distinguish what it was that was your priority and what it was that was your value system and how that led you to making better decisions in your financial life. And then from there, we create a specific roadmap that, that evaluates things like your spending plan. How are you currently spending your money? What's a model that we can look to, to develop from that serves as a predictable way that we can create more of a surplus in your monthly lifestyle that you can do all the things that you want and still have excess, excess money coming in through your spending plan every month that you can take and put into more productive places that you can accelerate your growth and compound your value creation in the world. And then from there, what's your investment plan that actually helps to support your broader mission based on your unique investor DNA? And once we've identified what that investment plan looks like, now we get into a little bit of the commoditization of the way that we approach things, but we do it completely different than everybody else. It's much more aligned with what it is that you're trying to actually uniquely accomplish for yourself and for your family. And only once we go through that process do you have the firm structure for an investment plan that supports the broader objective of what, you, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And from there, we move into other areas of mitigating key risks in your life that could potentially derail your progress or your desire to get the outcome that you're looking for. And we look for ways from a protection plan standpoint to make sure that you're protected from outside variables that are outside of your control that could also step in and potentially derail your progress. And we look for ways to help enhance your legacy and we look for ways to help expand the overall plan by helping to focus on things like expanding your human capital and your relationship capital. It totally changes the overall structure and process in the way that you have typically interacted with a financial advisor. So ultimately what that creates is a decommoditized structure because we are no longer offering a product or a service. We're offering a unique experience and an offer that is going to completely change your, the way that you've ever interacted with a financial advisory service, assuming that there is clear alignment in value between what it is that you're looking to do and the way that we try to provide things. Again, all that is screened out through that initial part where we get you to raise your hand based on our ideal target profile. 
assuming we've done our, done our job right, we've screened you out to determine that we're probably not a good fit for you if you're not interested in those things, right? So the first key is to be able to get you to volunteer yourself based on the offers that we're putting out there, the hooks that we're putting out there that speak uniquely to your pain points. That's how you raise your hand. Then I want to help educate you through a process that helps you to identify what is it that is a unique pain point and what are the ways that we can help to begin to accelerate your progress on your path without you having to actually engage with us and do business with us. How can we get you some early wins so that we can start to build trust and rapport in that relationship? And then only once we build that trust and we get to show you how we work with you to help get you wins in your financial life, do we then make the bigger, broader offer to help engage with us one-on-one so that you can see the full impact of our full planning suite and the things that we can do for you. And so being able to sequence those things in a way that makes sense based on human behavior and the way that we all make buying decisions is ultimately the key to doing this the right way is thinking about it just from the, the overall way that we make decisions as human beings. So that would be my encouragement to you as a takeaway from this is if you are offering a product or service or you're considering doing so, I want you to start by thinking through very clearly who is your ideal target prospect, get in their minds and really write out a day in the life. Uh, like what, what's going on in their worst day? What's going on in their best day? What are their interactions like? What's their family life like? What's their work life like? What are the things that piss them off and frustrate them and keep them up at night? What are the things that wake them up in the middle of the night because they get so excited about it? What are the things that when they think forward, if they could just have this, what would that thing be? The thing that will compel them to take immediate action if somebody could just show them how to do it. Those are the things that ultimately the secret in the sauce lies in those answers if you can get crystal clear and get in the mind of your client and prospect and then that creates the hooks that'll get you to be able to captivate that audience to be able to bring them into the funnel to be able to help continue to work them through a process that naturally helps to warm them up based on delivering real value that helps to get them real wins and then what is the thing that you're going to do that's going to decommoditize your service your product and ultimately your experience that makes you uniquely different in a way that they've never seen before? What are the things that you can do that can take a core service that they might be able to get for a dollar and give you the opportunity to charge five? Because what you're delivering is so much more valuable than five dollars. You have to think through it that way, whatever that be. And it may be in your price point, I say a dollar, your price point may be a thousand dollars. And or that may be the industry standard. So how can you create a value proposition that gives you the freedom to charge 5,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 if that's your, your unique audience, but still create an offer and a value delivery that far exceeds whatever price point you're gonna be able to put on that thing. So those are the things that I want you to be thinking about. That's what I'm thinking about right now. I'm going to, um, I'm back at home, so I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna start working on constructing these offers a little bit more concretely and uh, we will be back with you next time to talk through how that is progressing and uh, very soon we're going to be actually launching this to marketplace so not only will we be looking at what's happening behind the scenes we're going to very soon have some real market answers telling us that we're on the right track or not so look forward to bringing all that to you very soon thanks as always for hanging with me hope you have an awesome day we'll talk to you soon